Good morning. It uh, is always a joy to be with you and to open God's Word with you. Um, like Dana said, my name is John, and uh, I'll be another face to welcome you this morning. Um, it was 26 degrees when I went outside this morning, and I'm from Florida, and so I was shocked and pleasantly surprised that uh, the weather is turning cold. Um, but uh, I, I'm, it, it was a, it's a beautiful day in central Pennsylvania and here um, in Camp Hill, and we are glad that you made it out this morning. Uh, praise God that the rain has ceased. Um, John Wayne, a uh, famous actor, if you've never heard of John Wayne, he was an actor, did a lot of uh, westerns, some, some military films back from the thir- late 30s up through the 70s. Um, thank, thanks to my grandfather, I saw, I think, 90 plus percent of his films. Um, one of my favorite actors of all time, no one does it like the Duke, right? But if you've never heard of John Wayne, maybe this phrase will um, resonate with you and, and you'll check him out. But John Wayne once said, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. <laughs> and I believe John Wayne came up from the, with this quote after reflecting on Ecclesiastes. Specifically, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, which is where we are this morning. Um, if you have that black hardback Bible in front of you, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. That's going to be page 558 in, in the Bible this morning. Um, turn there with me as we uh, open the Word of God. Uh, and As you turn there, I would ask that even through, uh, through this topic this morning, as we talk about f- the fool's folly, um, Maybe we look a little bit closer uh, through, hopefully, the smoke that exists in this passage to peer through that and not just see the divine wisdom that is on display for us, uh, but to see God's desire for us to see him more clearly and to trust him by taking him at his word. So let's read from this book that we love, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offense to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an heir proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in low places. I have seen slaves on horses, and princes walk on the ground like slaves." He who digs a pit will fall in it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, 
there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Though the sloth, the roofs, through the sloth, the sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature to tell the matter. May God be glorified for the reading of his word. Let's pray. God of all wisdom and insight and glory, we come to your word this morning to hear your truth, to reap from this time wisdom and discernment. And God, we ask that you would, through your word, give us wisdom. May we not be inclined to folly, but Lord, we would learn from you and we would see your gracious hand upon us. In your name we pray. Amen. I would love for us to, to look at three things this morning in our passage. Uh, first, the profile of the fool. Secondly, implications of foolish activity. And third, God's love for the fool. So let's begin uh, at the first point, the profile of the fool. Uh, when we think of a fool, we think of foolishness or foolish activity or um, anything like that. Like the, one of the first things that came to mind for me was like the jester, right? Like someone who is like a court jester. And um, uh, Danny Kaye from like the 1955 film, The Court Jester, was like someone that came to mind. He was, he's just a very animated individual. Uh, he took that role and I thought did really well in that. Um, or we might think of like the Three Stooges, guys who just slapped each other. The slapstick comedy was... Uh, one of my dad's favorites, and so we watched a lot of Three Stooges growing up. Um, and I won't try to imitate any of the sounds as to not make a fool of myself. Um, or we might even think, if we, uh, if if our if our cultural uh, history is a little little newer, may think of Mr. T, who himself was not a fool, but merely someone who pitied the fool. We might think of a popular TV series on MTV who uh, was filled with people that I believe Mr. T would pity. Um, but whatever comes to mind, this is not the time for you to look at your neighbor as to who you think the fool would, would, would represent, uh, nor your spouse. But um, when we think of the fool, I, I believe in here in the scriptures of what we're seeing um, we are seeing Scripture paint a picture of a profile of someone 
that, uh, that is foolish. And, uh, and fortunately for the Bible, um, we get to see not just here in Ecclesiastes, but throughout Scripture, specifically what this fool looks like. But I'd love for us to begin uh, looking at verse 3. Verse 3 says this, Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. Just as it is easy sometimes to perceive by the words that someone says that someone is wise, in the same way the fool reveals himself by the words and actions that come out of his mouth. The fool is known because he makes himself known. Even walking down the street, the fool may be easy to spot. Maybe you have seen someone, you're like, well, what, what's wrong with that guy? I think is kind of like the vernacular I've used before of like just kind of wondering what, what is happening here in this moment. Um, it may not necessarily be a physical attribute that we see from an individual that, that, um, that is foolish. They may not be conducting themselves as, as a fool, maybe like some of the, the people previously mentioned. Uh, but when he opens his mouth, we, we can identify this fool. Uh, more evidence of his foolishness can be found by what he says, and this is specifically brought out in verse 12, verses 12 through 15. So look with me at verse 12 through 15, where it says this, The words of a wise man's mouth will win him favor, but the lips of the fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies his words, though no, one, no man knows what it is to be, and and who can tell him what it will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Have you, and, and I, I believe like hearing people speak or reading what people have written or tweeted or posted, um, it's easy for us to understand that there is foolishness that exists. And, and scripture here points out that, that it does not necessarily doesn't necessarily um, come from people that we would expect. There are people in different places. There are people in different roles that, um, that are foolish. They act foolish. They could be wrong by what they're saying, but they keep on talking. They keep speaking. And I don't know if we've ever been in a conversation with someone who is just trying really hard to, to talk about something that they know nothing about. I think... I think especially on the college campus, everyone wants to be perceived um, sometimes as, as, as intellectual, and as smart, and as culturally relevant. And so they, you start beginning a conversation, and they, they chime in, and they start talking about something that you maybe are majoring in, and they're not. And then you kind of hear the, the babble, and it continues, and you just are thinking in your mind, maybe you should stop talking because that's wrong. Or maybe you just let them continue. And this is what is being described here as someone who keeps on talking. The words of his mouth are foolishness. And he multiplies his words. And he doesn't know where he's going with them. In the same way, if he was to ask for, like, he's not asking for directions. He can't find the city. He's just walking around in circles. And the lips of the fool consume him. He talks and he talks and he talks, but not in an instructive way that would be considered wise. He talks from ignorance and foolish intent. He multiplies his words, 
and it just becomes nonsense. So this fool um, reveals himself to his hearers. He doesn't have a point. He simply loses his direction. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 also speaks of this. Verse 27, it says this, Whoever restrains his words has, wisdom, has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So if there is a proclivity to speak, even in our own lives, on matters that we know not a lot of, maybe it would be wise to just remain silent. The preacher is making this point. I said that it doesn't take much investigating to see foolishness is all around us. But the fool is simply someone who is ignorant and talks a lot. In the Bible, foolishness is most often um, an ethical issue, an ethical concept that goes beyond the lack of native intelligence. Contrasted with the wise, what we see throughout Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is the fool first is a person who acts without counsel. He is indiscreet, he's hot-tempered, he's ignorant, he's indolent and thick-headed, he's easily led astray, he rehearses his folly continually, and as it says in Proverbs um, 26, as a dog returns to his vomit, he also returns to his folly. Ruin is his end. If he is capable of learning, it comes only through brutish discipline. My, my father told me, he said, um, learn all your hard lessons through someone else's experiences. Right? And I, I thought that was, that was good wisdom. Unfortunately, sometimes I, uh, I would put that lesson to a test and just try it myself just to see if my dad was right. He was right. <laughs> Children, there's, there you go. Take that one, that one's free. Listen to your father's advice, your mother's advice. They've got a couple years on you. As I've tried to explain to my six-year-old um, to trust me, I, his mother and I know what's best for him. And yet, sometimes, just like he, I need the brutish discipline of experience to learn. The fool also is the deliberate sinner who persists in evil. He persists in evil and lying and slandering and enjoying mischief like a sport, as it says in Proverbs 10. Refusing to obey God. A fool confides in others. The fool thus practices ungodliness and does injustice. Such is the example of Nabal, whose name means fool. Elsewhere, the fool in scripture is the atheist, and one who openly declares that there is no God. In the New Testament, the fool is described as witless, as dull, as one who oppresses the truth, and fails to make adequate provisions. Jesus contrasts the wise who obey his teaching with the fool who refuses. When condemning intent as well as action, Jesus also denounces the use of the word fool as an insult. It's maybe because um, in some ways, using the word fool would condemn us ourselves 
in the court of foolishness. We have acted without faith. We have not been wise in all things. We have consistently refused to obey the commands of God, and we run back to our sins as a dog returns to its vomit. We are some of these things, if not all of these things, and we have been weighed and found wanting. Therefore, let us not see ourselves outside of the proverbial bounds of being indicted as the fool, but let us understand that we are but a thought or an action away from being a fool ourselves. So when we look at the fool, I I would hope that we would not see this caricature of of Danny Kaye dressed up as a court jester acting a fool, but the fool are all of these things who declares maybe with their words or even their actions their lack of faith or trust in God. So let us allow the word of God then to examine our implications of foolish activity. Um, So point two, implications of foolish activity. Um, The comedian Ron White coined the phrase a number of years ago, uh, you can't fix stupid. Um, And what I'm going to share with you now, this story is is the exemplification of that phrase. There's a very entertaining um, award that's not really given out each year, um, but is written about. It's called the Darwin Awards. This award, um, it's not the one that you want to win. This award is bestowed upon individuals who would, by many standards, not be the ones who we would look to as the example of survival of the fittest. Now, these individuals who would win this award have, uh, for the most part, already lost that title along sometimes even with their lives. One such story, um, and there are unfortunately many, many, many stories in the Darwin Awards, uh, takes place in the state of Washington uh, in 2010. During the American Sprint Car Series in in Cedro Woolley, Washington, two crew members were working in a custom machine shop uh, when they decided to make things a bit more interesting. Uh, Probably the phrase, hey, watch this, was used Uh, The men put a 55-gallon barrel, um, they laid it down in the parking lot, and they filled it with about four gallons of methanol. Uh, Possibly uh, watched too many cartoons um, with Roadrunner. Um, So they laid it down, filled it with four gallons of methanol, sat on top of the barrel, and lit it. And apparently they thought that like it would scoot across the parking lot, like a rocket, it did not. Instead of sliding across the pavement, the barrel blew up beneath them with enough force that the in, at, at, the, at the end, the barrel landed about 120 feet away. The two landed in Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, where unfortunately one of the two lost his life. Foolish actions can reap their intended results or maybe even their unintended results. And this is an absurd activity that resulted in a tragic loss of life. Uh, The Bible, not only in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, gives us um, just not the poetry and prose about foolish activity, but gives us the real narrative and examples of those who've acted foolishly. Um, If I was to mention King David to you, um, as we're talking about foolish activity, 
another person would probably come to mind. That would be Bathsheba. Um, and so if Koholeth is Solomon, he would have firsthand um, experience with what verse 1 says here. So look with me in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 1. It says this, Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. If Solomon is Koholeth, which on a side note, looking um, at some of the resources, some very old documents um, by Jerome and, uh, uh, and St. Basil, uh, they do mention this as the preacher, not as Solomon, so there's a little, you know, there's a little validity, so give Matt some props in, in introducing this as the preacher. Um, he would have this he would have this, uh, this perspective of how like some flies, some dead flies could ruin something like perfume. Because as if you're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba, you have a king who uh, is, is ruling and reigning and bringing land to, to, to prosper, who is obeying God and who loves God, who uh, growing up uh, pursued the love of God, the wisdom of God, who meditated on the law of God, and he began to take for himself um, a little bit of license, not being at war. The scripture says that basically like when the kings were normally at war, the time of year where the kings were out, David was home. And we have the story of him standing on the rooftop and purveying his city and seeing Bathsheba bathing naked on the roof and bringing her to his chamber. And from there, we see the fall of, of David in, um, in killing one of his, his, uh, his main military leaders, the husband of Bathsheba. And uh, it's a terrible story about a man who had built up this beautiful aroma about himself and following God and allowed the lid, if you will, of that perfume to be opened so that flies would come in and die, turning that perfume itself into a stench. Derek Kidner, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, says it takes far less to ruin something than to create it. It takes far less, friends, for, for us to ruin something than to create it. This wisdom that we receive from God here, this, this wisdom about avoiding foolish folly, to, about avoiding the activities that would ruin something that was created beautiful, uh, is a warning that unfortunately a lot of us have seen played out um, with leaders, with friends, with family, where a little bit of folly, a little bit of room for folly was opened up and it destroyed something beautiful. And this happens because as we see in verse two that a wise man's heart inclines him to the right but a fool's heart inclines him to the left and we have a tendency and a proclivity for foolishness 
when we consider our own wisdom, when we consider our own ways, we incline our hearts to the left, not to the right. As, he go, as, the, as the preacher goes on to say in 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. When we pull back the reins of, of being disciplined in our lives, when we leave the lid off the proverbial perfume of our lives and of our homes, when we pull back a little bit like David, and we're not doing and we're not where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there, we open up the opportunity. It is a practical warning here. It is a practical warning so for us to take and pay careful attention to the inclinations of our heart. Believers, as we are redeemed and we are restored, we still have the proclivity to sin. We still have the inclination to, to build our own kingdoms, to consider our own good, to consider what is right in our own eyes. And this is the foothold that can be necessary to see sin come in, the enemy come in, the devil come in and create for us disorder and death and stench. Which is why Koholeth here in Ecclesiastes 2 said this, he says, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. We all have the opportunity and are given the chance to open our eyes and see and follow the light and not to walk in darkness. But what happens if this advice is too late? What happens if the damage has been done? What if we, like David, like Solomon, find ourselves in places where we never should have been or could have imagined? What then? When the damage of our lives and those around us has been felt, what then? So bring us to our last point this morning, God's love for the fool. God's love for the fool. In this desolate place sometimes, in this place of isolation and chaos, what do we do? What do we do? Where is our hope? In a place where there appears to be no hope. If we were only left here in verse, with, with chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes, we would have some good practical tools to maybe avoiding this foolishness, this foolish activity. But I'm grateful that we have the rest of Scripture to pull us out and to show us that there is hope where there seems like there, is, there could be no hope when foolishness has caused destruction in our lives. We have for ourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because it is easy to get stuck in sin and folly, um, and sometimes it doesn't look like there's a way out, we are reminded of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, where he says about foolishness and folly, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, um, 
nor, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And if we were to leave it there, we would be stuck in our foolishness, we would be stuck in our hopelessness. But he continues, and praise God, he continues. Verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We do not have to remain in foolishness without hope or desire for a future. We, through the power of Jesus Christ, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, can experience the, the, the and some of you were. We can look back and go, I was, I was a fool. But then Jesus saved this fool. So God, in his rich mercy, took those who had covered themselves in the stench of dead flies, he then covered them with a new, good-smelling perfume, the perfume of Christ, the aroma of Christ. For the fools who are in Christ, there is life filled with goodness of his grace and mercy, of his righteousness, of his wisdom, and his honor. God's goodness to us that he has given us both practical wisdom and spiritual wisdom. And the hope is that we would listen and hear. As my father, like I said, told me, listen, listen to the good wisdom. Don't try to figure it out yourself and learn all the hard lessons. So if we are to be fools then, let us be fools for Christ. As Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 4, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. Where we are weak, you are, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and we thirst, and we are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. We may appear as foolish, saying that we cannot on our own efforts and our own ability provide anything good for ourselves. But that's the beginning of wisdom. As Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But let us pursue the wisdom of Christ, because the wisdom of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we on our own efforts cannot provide for ourselves, that we by ourselves are fools. We reject wisdom, we pursue folly. So may we reject all the foolish activity and seek wisdom. But at the beginning of all of that pursuit of wisdom, may it be the fear of God that leads us to live not as fools, but to live as wise. For the wisest thing we could ever do would be to follow Christ. To follow Christ with our whole lives. So may we follow Christ. If you are 
here this morning and you are searching out what is truth, I would ask that you would, would consider the wisdom of God. Maybe you're here and you are the cynic. You are the skeptic. You were brought here by a family member or a friend and you're checking things out. Maybe you've been here for a long time and you still doubt the goodness of God and whether or not he can save you. There is no sin that Christ cannot cover and carry. He has placed it on himself so that we may be fools in Christ, that we can say it is not anything that I could do, but it is all of Christ. So would you consider the wisdom of Ecclesiastes 10 as we seek after and pursue the goodness of God through the cross of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, it is by you and through you that we have our life and our breath. Lord, may we, by your goodness, pursue wisdom and not folly. May we seek after wise counsel. But Lord, may we fear God and love you because you have first loved us. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.